Well, good morning. Great to have you here. Uh, as the offering was being passed, it kind of reminded me of something that happened this week. Uh, my wife and I were uh, out to eat together, celebrating her birthday that she had this last week. And uh, uh, a couple from the church uh, approached us as they came into the restaurant. And they said, Pastor Brad, we were just talking about you, which I'm not sure if that's ever a good thing. So, but in this case, it was okay. They, they said, um, we have not been to church for like two to three months um, we didn't want you to think we fell off the face of the earth. And I, I said, no, I didn't think that. They said, we've just been caring for some family members over in another area of the state. We have to go back and forth and we're there on the weekends. Um, and, and they said, but we have our offerings. We, we, we have our offerings that we've been meaning to bring in the last couple of months. And, and it just struck me. You know, first of all, I said, I don't want them now. You know, I, I, you know, bring them to church or bring them by the office or mail them in. But, but it just struck me. That a family would be thinking of us, even in the midst of a crisis of theirs and caring for others, that they'd be thinking of us in the church and say, you know what, Um, uh, we need to continue to give. We need to continue to bless what the Lord is doing there because summer doesn't slow things up around here. We we do things a little differently. Um, You know, a couple weeks ago we had this VBS and all over this worship center and hundreds of kids on the ground. We have, um, you know, the uh, uh, basketball clinic and the performing arts camp, the Ezekiel Bible study for the adults, even First Baptist Christian School has day programs that go on. So much takes place. And so I was just humbled that they would say, we're thinking of you. We have not dropped off the face. Even our, our offerings given to the Lord, we want that to continue to be given and to bless. And, and, and so thank you, all of you. Summer months sometimes can be more difficult, but you have been faithful over these summer months. And so I greatly appreciate that. Our church, our deacons, our staff greatly appreciates that um, for your contributing and for your generosity that blesses the Lord in all that we do. So, um, well, if uh, you have not seen these blocks before, they have reappeared. And here they are. Um, in fact, if you haven't seen them, then that means that you're probably a little newer here to First Baptist. We started a series back in uh, January of this year of our 10 core values of First Baptist Church. And uh, so we've been going over those core values. Uh, we, we've still been going over them. We took a little break to do things differently around Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day and some of those types of things. But uh, here's what I want to do. I want to read or I want to say the word we value, and then I want you to fill in what we value, okay? So we'll go left to right, top to bottom, all right? Left to right, and then end on this one, okay? You'll get it. You'll get it, all right? Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Read it with me. We value... We value, 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 and we value, and actually that people is more... Uh, correctly, all people, and that's how it's written up. You'll see the definition up here on the screen. In fact, if you could read that with me, we value all people. Read it with me. We value people of every nationality and at every stage of life, from conception to natural death, seeking to show the love of Christ in every possible way. You know, this is a value, the one of all people that we visited back in January. Uh, at the beginning of January, we talked a little bit about the value of the unborn child in the womb. Um, the uh, Heard from Nikki Lowry, who spoke here on this platform and shared about the Pregnancy Help Center and the wonderful things that are going on there. And then a little later in January, we also talked about and highlighted the plight of the orphans 
many times who are unloved and forgotten um, as his little feet came here and performed for us and shared with us what's taking place. And Mikey and Krista Hahn shared in that time. So we, we've talked about this, but today I want to go a little broader and a little shorter. We're, we're going to have kind of a devotional time as we head into the elements of communion that are before us. Um, but to share about that core message that God's uh, never-ending love uh, is on all people everywhere. That's why he created us. That's why he made us to love us and his love for us. Uh, and then to see that love demonstrated in what he did for us on the cross and celebrating what Jesus has done for us and told us to do uh, through the Lord's Supper or communion time. So, uh, but you have your outline. If you could take that out, actually, um, there are no points on this message, but it is not a pointless message. All right. We're, we're, we're going to still point at the Lord and the value that uh, he has for all people. But let me kind of start us off by asking this question. Just let you think about it for a second. If I were to ask you the question today, what does God want from me? How would you answer that? Just in your mind. Just think through that. What, what are the first couple things that come to mind? Some of you might say, well, we just took an offering, so I think he wants money from me. Or you might say, well, I think he wants, you know, more of my time. Or he wants me to be in church every Sunday. Or he wants me to serve him more. Or he wants me to read his word more. Or he wants me to pray more. I mean, who of us ever have read enough or prayed enough or ever feel like we've read and prayed enough? Or maybe it's, it's, it's that he wants us to memorize the Bible even more. We, we have all these kind of thoughts of things to do. But if you thought any of those, none of those would be the right answer. Because more than your time, more than your money, more than your church attendance, more than your service, what he really wants is your heart. He, wa- he wants you. He wants your love. And that's focused really upon your heart. In fact, when he was asked this question, when Jesus was asked this question, what's the greatest thing that I can do? Look at how he answered this. It's out of Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, what's the word there? With all your what? With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And so more than anything, Christianity is a love affair of the heart. Because without your heart, you will just be going through the motions. And maybe some of you have even got used to what we do in here at First Baptist, and you may be going through the motions when you come. Today we switched it up a little bit. We had a little longer extended worship time because we wanted you to be in that mode and to focus upon the Lord, not just think, okay, you know, we do one song, maybe two up front, then we're in announcements, then the message, then we do some more down there. No, I don't want it to be the same, same, same old, same old. And I don't want you to come in feeling that as well. I don't want you to come in and be just thinking, well, we're going to go through the motions, and then I have other things coming up throughout this day. There is no amount of religiosity, ritualistic formality that you can do that will please God without your heart, without your love that you have and your focus upon him for that. I mean, have you ever seen those people who say they're in love and yet um, you're just kind of thinking, well, then let your face show it, right? I mean, someone wake up your face and let them tell you that you are in love, Right? I, I mean, my wife and I, again, we were out on, on um, to dinner, I think it was on Thursday, and you can just look around the restaurant and see those couples who, who are in love. 
And those who are, unfortunately, you might think it's, well, I know those who are dating and I know those who are married, right? Because it's kind of, you know, the dating ones are engaged and the married ones just kind of like, no, I would hope if you are married that you would want to engage with your spouse, that you would want to put forth that effort, that you would want to, you know, treat it like it was a first date or a second date, not just, you know, when you went on that first or second date, trying to impress them and, 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 and put your best foot forward, that we would always do that, we, that we would honor. We talked about that marriage. Kind of the, oh, I'm in your presence. I, I honor you. And, and when we don't do that, we begin to take the other person for granted. We don't get the door for them. We don't pull back their chair. We don't say, well, where would you like to go to eat? We, 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 you know what we do? We end up using the beeper, the remote, right? Boop, boop. Go ahead, get the door for yourself, right? Now, it's okay to use this, but when you're on a date, go out and open the door and pull it out for them and get them in. That, 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 this, this is the lazy man's way of doing it, right? Now, I just bring up these little things because they can diminish our love. They can dim it down lower and lower where we don't honor and respect the other person. And the same sort of thing, I think, can happen with our passion for God. Perhaps we can just kind of go through the motions. We can just do the same things. We can take God for granted without truly putting our heart into that kind of relationship. In fact, you know what theologian Blaise Pascal said? He said, what a vast difference there is between knowing God and loving Him. Knowing God and loving Him. And if your faith is simply the sum of your Bible knowledge and your religious activity and your principled, you know, living or your moral code, then you are so missing out on the love relationship that the one who made you desires for you. You're missing out on the one who passionately, passionately loves all people. The one who passionately knows you better than you know yourself. The one who wants to know you more and to be alive in you, to open your heart to every area of your life and allow him to change you in that way. I I think God seriously gets fed up with people who are heartless Christians Maybe even, you know, boring saints who have no joy whatsoever. In fact, I, I heard about this a while back, a theologian or a, a father, church father, um, by the name of uh, a Bernard. So his name was Saint. He was actually a saint. So he's Saint Bernard. I know it's a little tough to say because the dog, and we think of that instead of that. But this is Saint Bernard. Um, although he lived in this incredible, beautiful country that we have here, Every time he went outside, he would avert his eyes. He would hide his eyes and cover his face, not to look around. He would just kind of look at the ground, lest he look at the world and, as his words would be, to be moved to a static rapture because he did not think that God wanted him to have joy. Now, I don't know where he got that per se. Uh, There are some places in Scripture where maybe we see that and understand that. But there's others in Scripture that say, look around, look at the joy that is around you. In fact, John Wesley did the same type of thing. Great, great man of faith. Great man of faith. One of the few mistakes, though, I think he made was when he founded a grade school um, and laid down uh, the rules. He said, there will be no games allowed here. We will celebrate no holidays. Children will rise every day at 4 a.m. and spend an hour in prayer and meditation, and you will fast until 3 p.m. on Fridays. 
Now, I get disciplines, and I understand that. But to be a taskmaster like that, instead of seeing the joy of the Lord, and does he not look like Bob Hope? That's what I thought throughout this week. Bob Hope knows how to laugh, right? He's got some joy. I think the Lord would want us to have joy. Look, understand this. If, if, If you have had religion burned into you, and it has become this list of do's and don'ts, you are missing out what God intends for your life. It's not about religion. It's about, as we say around here, a relationship with God. It's not about just some sort of activity or some sort of action, but it's about an interaction that he desires for you to have with him. Would it surprise you to know that um, God pursues you more than you could ever pursue him? He is always pursuing. He is madly and wildly in love with you. In fact, you want to see how much in love he is with you? Look at the um, verses that we wrote there in Ephesians 1, 4 and 11 and 12. I'll just read them off the outline here. You can see the screen. It says, he chose us in him. He chose us. He chose you. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Even before the world was created, he already had you in mind. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse 11 and 12 says, In him, that is in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, I know when I started reading that, some of you already started tuning out, like, okay, we got some big words here. I'm not sure what that meant, and that doesn't flow well together. ESV sometimes can be a little harder to read. And so sometimes it's fun to just pull back and read from a different version. Um, Sometimes I even read devotionally from the message. Whenever I prepare a message, um, I always want to take it from uh, the Greek and and what the Greek has said. And so the ESV is directly from the Greek, translated into the English. But sometimes it's good to read it in a different version so that you don't just go through the routine. And so look what it says here in the message. Eugene Peterson translates this and says, Long before God laid down earth's foundation, he had who in mind? He had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of his love. With all the trees and all the beauty and all the hills and all the valleys and all the glaciers and everything else he had created and formed over time, with all the animals that he has in place, he still chose us. He chose people. He chose all people. As the, as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love, that is by Jesus' love for us. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. You find your purpose. You find your value in Christ. It goes on. It says, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on who? He had his eye on you. He says, I love you. I love you. I love you. You're the object of my affection. He had his eye on us, had designs on us for the glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. God made you to love you. 
And if you get nothing else today, that would be what I'd want you to focus on. He didn't make you to serve him. He didn't make you so he could be a taskmaster over you. He made you to love you. And he desires that you love him back. He's had his eye on you since the beginning, even the beginning of the beginning of time. And he's not looking for your service. He's not looking for your money. He's not looking for your Bible verses and memorized quotations. He's not looking for as much of your time as he's looking for you and your heart and your passion and your love for him. The problem is we allow uh, our busyness to get us caught up in so many other things and we begin to spend more time with the created instead of with the creator. Look at this verse out of Isaiah 29. It says, This people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips. I I pray that there wasn't just somebody here who drew near just with your mouth and just say the right thing with your lips because Isaiah is talking about us, if so. He says, While their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. I I pray that there's nothing I say that would cause you to have to feel like you have to do things for the Lord. But I always want to motivate you and spur you on to the great love that God has for you. Now, in the Old Testament, we see more of God's um, uh, uh, wrath. We see more of his anger. It is displayed. It is in there. It is a part of God and who he is. But in the New Testament, he has sent his son Jesus to display his incredible love for us. And so now we know God through what Jesus Christ did for us. And so you see that verse, and he says, don't make it just about your words. Don't make it just about what you say or even do if your hearts are not there, if your heart's not with it. Because you know what God says about this? Look what he says in verse um, Psalm 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am who? Be still and know that I'm God. God. We sang that song. Be still. Be still. Be still. Sometimes we need to have that. That we just need to stop and be still because God is not going to compete with your TV. God's not going to compete with your cell phone. He's not going to compete with your busy schedule. He's not going to force himself upon you. He's too much of a gentleman to do that. He's not going to force himself upon you. But you know what he does ask us to do? Look at the next verse there out of Isaiah 40. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created thee? That's why I said, you know, how did St. Bernard miss that? The God, he's he's saying, lift up your eyes on high and see who created all this. He said, who, he who brings out their host by number, and there he's referring to the heavenly host, the stars in the sky, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, and he doesn't miss one. Our God who made all this, over the top of all this, who has everything in his control, still chooses to look at us and favor us and value us. And so what my plea for you to be this week would be this. I challenge you this week to get away someplace different. Someplace that will just draw you into the presence of God. It could be in your backyard late at night. It could be early in the morning. It could be heading to the mountains. It could be going to the ocean. It could be whatever it may be. It could be just looking at nature, looking at a caterpillar crawl across your porch. I don't know what it could be. But just something that says, God, I hear you. I'm still. I'm quieting myself to be in your presence and letting God show himself. You'll be surprised where you hear God speak when you slow down. 
and where you're st- when you're still. In fact, I pray that you might have one of these Elijah moments. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Let me read this really quickly. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12. Isaiah was a prophet. In fact, he was a prophet who did a lot of good things. You could call him maybe Mr. Spiritual Activity. He was involved in a lot. He was doing things for God. And yet, look how God speaks to him. 1 Kings 19, verse 9 says, There Elijah came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. All the religious people that I'm kind of overseeing, I've been doing stuff, I've been helping, I've been, I've been working, I've been trying to get them in board, on board. And he says, but I, and even only I, am now left, and they seek my life to take it away. They're coming after me next. God, I've been doing a lot for you. And God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And that's where God spoke to Elijah. This week, I pray you will quiet yourself so that you may hear the low whisper that God speaks to you in. And that he may affirm in your heart and in your life that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Don't just take my word for it. Take his word for it. That's why I think Jesus asked us to remember him when um, we gather together. The Lord doesn't tell us how often we're supposed to take the Lord's Supper, how often we're supposed to serve communion. He just says to do it. And so today we want to do things just a little differently, have a greater time of worship and praise, have a little bit shorter of a message, and also to get our hearts focused in the right place. And so Francine Olson is now going to sing a song that says, What love is this that I pray will just focus your heart and your mind onto the Lord And um, after that, we'll then come and lead you in a time of communion and praise. So, um, Francine, thank you for your blessings and getting our hearts prepared.